Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Last week, or two weeks ago, we had a great little interview with Scott Pope, Eric Kirsch, talking about the healthcare startup space community that's building up here in Charlotte and what they're doing with Mido Station and what that looks like over the course of the next couple of years. Um, I wanted to pivot for this one. We did this podcast interview about six or seven weeks ago and just wanted to pivot and talk to a business or startup founder that um, was a couple years in, was having some success, gaining some traction, building the business, and then just got completely sideswiped with the recession um, health pandemic that's kind of swept the country and the world over the course of the last six months. So we reached out to Chris Wright with Whistle. Um, so if you're not familiar, you'll learn in a little while. Whistle started out a few years ago, um, app-based program for household cleaning for primarily apartments in South End, South Park, um, more dense urban areas. And you know, clearly, when we went into this health pandemic, um, everybody's in a work from home state, and they don't want to invite that many folks into their house. So that side of the business kind of got you know taken out. And so, as you'll hear him talk about what that was like initially, um, how he handled, how he responded, and then how quickly it was that he was able to go out and start to identify other avenues for him to pursue how he continued to challenge himself, how the business was able to successfully move in a new direction and continue to gain traction through the pandemic. And now all of a sudden he's got two lines of business that he can manage as things slowly start to open back up. So young entrepreneur, you'll hear from him, very bright, very energetic, um, passionate, um, and really wanting to build the business the right way. So great, fantastic interview with Chris today. Certainly hope you enjoy another edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection. Chris, welcome to the podcast today. Certainly excited to have you on to talk about everything that's happened with Whistle over the course of the last couple of years and certainly um, everything that's happened with Whistle over the course of the last couple of months. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So as um, as we've discussed, uh, I always like to get started off with the softball. So if you can take a couple minutes um, and just let our listeners who don't already know you, let them know who Chris uh, Chris Wright is. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so I like to think of myself as a, a constant learner. Um, I am always trying to improve myself, always trying to better myself, learn a new skill take on a new task. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Alchemist. And there's a quote from there that I kind of really resonate with is, you know, the secret to life is that you fall seven times and get up eight. Um, I am constantly trying to put myself in situations where I'm way outside of my comfort zone um, and have <laughs> kind of continued to do that throughout my career. Uh, went to the University of South Carolina. After graduating, went into management consulting. Um, really, really great experience. I got to give it to Deloitte. They are very good at putting people outside of their comfort zone. I was 22 years old and telling C-level executives at Fortune 500 companies what to do, which to be completely honest, I had no business doing. Um, 
<laughs> but it was a it was a great experience nonetheless and taught me how to you know think outside of the box but also be presentable in situations where I'm a bit out of my depth uh, and still sound intelligent while doing so. So I uh, thank them for that experience. Um, and then after Deloitte, I started Whistle and subsequently a couple of other you know partner companies that are part of this, I guess, little ecosystem that I have going on. But yeah, that's a, that's a bit about me. Love to read, love to watch sports, play sports. Um, very sad that we can't watch sports right now, but you know, that's, I did see Tiger and uh tom brady and phil and peyton manning and i'm a colts fan by the way so really uh really pumped to see peyton manning on the screen again but (laughs) (laughs) um so you're uh so as we were talking earlier you said you you've got a midwestern um upbringing so where are you originally from south carolina or where are you from yeah so originally originally from indiana um my father lived there for most of his life my mother moved there post-college and ended up working uh, there for a while and then met my father. Uh, They got married and we lived in Indiana until I was nine years old. Um, After I turned nine, we basically picked up and moved to New York, which uh, as you might be able to imagine, the difference in culture and environment from Indiana to New York is quite a bit different. Um, <laughs> I remember I had this uh, this canvas backpack. It was from Old Navy. I don't know. It was a tan canvas backpack. And I was instantly labeled the corn kid from Indiana with the straw backpack. Um, so, <laughs> so, so it was uh, it was a bit of a change, a bit of a culture shock. Now, granted, I lived in upstate New York. It wasn't the city, but a um, bit of a culture shock. And then uh, at the beginning, to be honest, I resented the move a bit. But it's forced me to out of my comfort zone and allowed me to actually welcome change. Now I've lived in several different places. I've been fortunate enough to travel all around the world and experience different cultures. So um, actually really thankful that that move happened, even though I was not quite old enough or mature enough to appreciate it at the time. No, absolutely. So what, um, what took you from upstate New York to university of South Carolina, warm weather or something else? As a number of things, uh, the really good and looks good on paper answer is that I wanted a good business school to kind of learn more about business and pursue that passion of mine. Uh, the slightly more genuine reason is that I wanted warmer weather. Uh, we just had seven feet of snow the last winter I was in New York and I was done with snow. <laughs> I wanted a big college football team and a large school in the Southeast that I could kind of experience the full Southern college experience. Um, okay. so, so the, the real reasons are a little bit more simple than what, uh, what, you know, I told everyone when I was going into college. <laughs> <laughs> Get it. Well, you got both. How's that? You know, you got a good business school and you got the full college football experience. That's right. That's right. It was a win-win. So you finish up at South Carolina and you immediately, immediately move up the road to Charlotte, um, join Deloitte, um, why the big consulting company? Why'd you go that route? Uh, so to be honest, I had a, I had a degree in finance and a degree in global supply chain, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career. Um, consulting is nice in the sense that you kind of get to be like a kid in a candy store or an ice cream shop. You get to try out all the flavors before you pick the one that you want to stick with. Um, and consulting gave me the opportunity. I got to work anywhere from, 
retail operations all the way to supply chain of a large pharmaceutical company to, um, I believe I worked for a, a large hospitality company doing org redesign. Um, so it gave me the opportunity to experience a lot of different things, find out what I liked, what I didn't like, um, both from an industry perspective and a actual physical competency and type of work perspective. So it just gave me flexibility and didn't allowed me not to quite grow up yet <laughs> and pick what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, and how long were you at Deloitte before you spun out? You were there for two years? Yeah, a little over two years. It was yeah. roughly two years and four months, I believe, somewhere okay. in that ballpark. Um, I'd started in January of 2017, um, and I'd actually graduated the May before, but we they had two start classes. One was in the fall, one was in the spring. Um, I actually chose the fall, got the spring, so I had an eight-month window to <laughs> kind of <laughs> explore, do different things. I actually started uh, my first two businesses during that time. Um, which was my first intro to entrepreneurship, really. What uh, what were those two businesses? Yeah, so one of them was a Amazon FBA, and for those who aren't familiar, it's fulfillment by Amazon. It's essentially where you find manufacturers, whether overseas or somewhere else, um, and you get them to white label product. So. We had design products. We had uh, our logo put on them, custom packaging. You ship it to Amazon, and then Amazon handles all the fulfillment. So your main job is getting the product to them, writing the description, taking the photos, et cetera, uh, and then they essentially sell it for you. Um, mm. So I did that, and then in tandem with that, uh, I started a product photography business. By the way, I knew nothing about photography. didn't even have a nice camera yet. Um, started a product photography business that was focused on Amazon FBA sellers because I was a part of a number of large groups that uh, were Amazon sellers. So I marketed to them, was able to pay my rent during that time, uh, at least my portion of the rent. I was living with my then girlfriend, now wife, um, in Boston at the time. Okay, so you went from... <laughs> You went from Columbia to Boston, back to Charlotte. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I've lived quite a few places at this point. <laughs> did you um, uh, did you keep the the two side hustles when you were with Deloitte, or were you just too busy while you were at Deloitte to continue running those? So the product photography, I did not keep. Um, it did teach me how to build websites. I had built my first website there and learned a lot about e-commerce and uh, – kind of the online shopping place, but didn't keep the photography business, but I did keep the, uh, the private label FBA business. We sold mm -hmm. kind of men's accessories in the sense that we had leather passport holders. We had phone cases, we had wallets, we had all kinds of things at one point. And actually still today that business is operating. It's called artisan accessories, admittedly not the best name, uh, but <laughs> That's okay. I, was, I was, I don't know, I was 21, 22 years old and had a friend from college, uh, who started this with me and we still sell beautiful leather passport wallets to people all over the world, um, through that business. Does that, does that continue to grow or is it kind of stagnant or, but just enough to kind of provide free cash flow? Uh, it's one of those things that just provides free cash flow every year. We yeah. know that at this point that Q3 and Q4 are big selling times. So mm -hmm. we kind of just keep enough inventory to be relevant for Q1 and Q2. And then 
we'll ramp up inventory in Q3, uh, sell out majority of our products, and then have enough to you know make a couple of thousand dollars each at the end of the year that we get to kind of take home, which is nice because it doesn't really require almost any effort. It's like two or three emails a year. <laughs> so you you applied for the spring and got the fall. Is that right with Deloitte? Is that how it worked? Uh, opposite. So I applied for the fall and I got the spring. You okay. basically after you get your offer, you get you can either start in I believe it was October at the time or January. Uh, I had opted for October because I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this eight-month time window, yeah. um, and then had gotten January, so I had I had time and you know wanted to try something new, and I'd always been interested in running my own business, and it gave me a, a really good taste of what that looks like. What um what would you have done if you would have gotten the October instead of the January? Do you think you still would have started them up? Honestly, I don't know that I would have. Um, they really started picking up both of them around September, October timeframe. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that year in general, I moved five or six times because my lease on my place in college ended in, I think, the end of May. So I moved in with a buddy for a little while, uh, for a couple of months, and then moved to Boston. At the time, my girlfriend was at her training in Rhode Island. So I actually was in Rhode Island for a little while. I forgot about that. Was in Rhode Island at a extended stay hotel. Yeah. After the extended stay hotel, we moved uh, all of her stuff to Boston. And a little bit after that, I moved all of my stuff down to Charlotte and then later came and moved all of her stuff down to Charlotte because she stayed and worked in the Boston area for a little over a year. Um, so I honestly don't know that I would have started those things because the timing may not have allowed me the free space to actually want to do something else. What's the what's the um, what's the biggest takeaway, or the biggest lesson, or the biggest thing you learned from starting those businesses during that time period? Um, what are you most thankful you learned as a, as a result? I guess is the question. Uh, there's a number of things. I think the funniest and, uh, something I probably should have learned in business school was that yeah. there's something called a retail sales cycle, right? Like yeah. <laughs> people don't buy as many things in Q1 and Q2 as they do in Q3, Q4. Um, yeah. we ended up doing very well our first quarter in business. So really from Thanksgiving or black Friday until Christmas, we, we did at least for us in our minds, we did, I think 50, 60,000 in sales, um, in that short time window, which was awesome. We had launched a bunch of products and I actually went to China and went to, uh, the Canton fair, which is this massive, massive trade show. Um, each floor of this trade show to give it some perspective is about the size of a football field. There's four wow. floors per building and there's 16 buildings. Jeez. So it's just this, it, it's 30 some odd miles. If you walk end to end for every, in every building. Um, so it was an unbelievable experience. Got to actually meet my suppliers in China, but I had a, <laughs> my friend calls me on the phone and says, you know, we're doing so well. Uh, we should, we should invest more. And I was over there in China. I said, yeah, we need more money now because we're selling, but we're not going to see that money for a little bit. Uh, so we got a loan from lending tree at the time, I think, or some other equivalent of, you know, sub $50,000 loan, uh-huh. uh, with something like a 17 or 18% interest rate over three years. Okay. <laughs> and had bought all this inventory and spent a lot of the revenue on new inventory. And then we're sitting on, I think, four or $50,000 worth of inventory in January <laughs> and nothing moved. So, yeah. <laughs> very valuable lesson there. Um, 
but it was fun learning too how to have a co-founder of sorts and working with a business partner and recognizing that in entrepreneurship and managing your own business that it's always going to be this roller coaster that every quote-unquote failure is an opportunity to learn and not make the same mistake again and grow from um there was a lot of great experiences during that time with that business and uh you know the the person who I started with, his name is Dan Smith. He uh, is now, you know, he's one of my best friends, has been one of my really good friends for a long time. He was in my wedding. Before we started that business together, we knew each other, but not really that well. Um, nothing really <laughs> nothing really brings two people together like working on a fast-paced startup slash small business. Yeah, that's funny. But, um, so you do that. You fortunately go into a real job with steady income in that January time frame too, right? So mm-hmm. um, good timing to make a bad business decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you're there for you're there for how long before a you realize that that's just not a place that you're going to exist in because you're you're too I don't want to say different but essentially different. Um, and how long how long did it take for you to realize that you weren't going to last very long just because you wanted you were going to want to do other things and then how long did it take for you to come up with the concept of whistle yeah great question so i it's it's a very complex answer because one i think that consulting did offer me the opportunity to in many ways operate as a fast-paced entrepreneur. Um, you kind of are the ruler of a lot of your own work. They give a lot of autonomy. Um, so I was managing things that, you know, I didn't have the previous past experience to do. So it was a very, very rewarding experience. And I learned so much and made some amazing connections throughout that time and still stay in contact with a lot of people there. Um, that being said, somewhere around probably the end of year one, I was working, uh, for a hospitality, international hospitality company. And it was just kind of crazy hours. It was a high intensity project. We probably had a few too few people on the staff and I was working from, oh man, I think 6.30 or seven in the morning until as early as 10.30 or 11 p.m. and as late as, you know, 1 p.m. to 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, And during that project, I kind of said to myself, you know, I'm not positive that I can maintain this for for an extended period of time. I ended up staying on that project for another four or five months at that point, but um, then subsequently went to work on a couple of other projects uh, that were a little bit less high intensity, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And then I would say finally, I had decided somewhere around middle of year two, um, that I wanted to get into retail operations because that was something that I could understand that was tangible, that I could see the impact that I was making. Um, got an awesome project with a large grocery retailer, um, helping them kind of be the liaison between this, their tech team and between you know, their business team uh, and help build this awesome product that they were working on. And I kind of decided at that point that if this wasn't what I wanted to do for a long time, then it was time for me to get out. Um, and even though it was a super rewarding experience, I basically, as a second year consultant, managed my own project, or at least a large portion of the project. Uh, even though it was so rewarding, I still wasn't quite wanting to stay there and do this for a longer period of time. Plus, to be honest, being on the road, I was on a plane every Monday, every Thursday. 
um, we were, my wife and I were getting married last year. We got married in September and I knew that was coming up and I wanted to be present and available and able to actually help out with some of the wedding planning. I know that sounds <laughs> sometimes contrarian, depending on how much people actually help out with their wedding planning with their wife. But, uh, yeah. I wanted to be there and be present for that. Uh, and consulting for better or for worse took me away from some of that. So it was a combination of things, but it was kind of in my mind that it was the right thing to get out and try something else. So, <clears throat> you know, you're going to get out at what point, um, at what point was it pretty, and, um, your, your wife's not a consultant, I assume. No, uh, okay. she's not. So, um, at what point did you decide that, or what point did the concept of whistle come along? Was it then, was it something you'd already been toying around with? Um, how'd it work? So it was probably, let's see, it was. This is the point of, where you credit your wife with all your brilliance, by the way. Oh, 100%. So, that, I'm yeah. getting for that. Trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start there. Right. So there's so many ideas that I've brought to my wife in the past five years, six years since we've been together. Um, most of the time she'll say something along the lines of you should go and do some more research. <laughs> Other times she'll say, that's never going to work. Uh, you should try something else. This was kind of the first idea I brought to her that she kind of sat, she paused, she thought about it and she goes, you know, that's actually something that might work. Um, but anyways, it was fall probably of 2018. Uh, I was traveling all the time. I wanted to, you know, come home to a clean environment. And this is not her fault, right? We were both working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Uh, I remember she would pick me up from the airport. She'd grab my arm and say, I'm so sorry, right before we got in the door. And I would say, what? We just had a great conversation. We said, food, what, what are you sorry about? Um, <laughs> and when you open the apartment, it's a disaster inside. Uh, neither of us had the time to kind of properly maintain it. Um, and we didn't want to spend the 48, 72 hours I had on the weekend cleaning every single weekend. Mm -hmm. So started looking for a cleaning company. The first one I had looked for was a Groupon offer. Um, and it turns out that it was a fake company that was trying to scam people into not requesting refunds. Um, they had nice. a very shoddy website put up. The phone number didn't work. The email address bounced. Uh, so we got our money back on that one. The second company went out of business before we could hire them. So I started doing a little bit more research and I'm like, can I even find prices online without going through some kind of paywall or estimate check or giving up my email address? I, I just want to know what a cleaning costs. I had no concept of, of it at the time. And I couldn't find almost any transparency out there in the market where people were upfront and telling you not only what you get, but what you're going to pay for it. Um, and so as I did more research, I dug deeper, dug deeper kind of brought this idea to my, to my wife. I said, you know, what if, I know this is going to sound crazy, but what if I started a cleaning company? And she was like, okay, elaborate. I said, <laughs> I said, well, there's, you know, there's all these apartments, there's all these young professionals in Charlotte who lead busy lives. And there's plenty of people that are not so young professionals that also lead busy lives. And the last thing that they want to do, like the last thing I wanted to do was get home and clean on their limited free time, right? They work hard during the week so that they can enjoy their free time on the weekends to spend time with family, friends, checking out breweries or restaurants around Charlotte. Um, and so I wanted to 
basically build something that allowed people to have that time and gave them back their freedom. Um, because that's what I wanted for myself. Right. And I didn't feel like I was quite getting it with the company else I was, I was looking for. Um, and then around Christmas time, she was like, yeah, start working on it. See what we find out. Um, I listened to right around that time, probably, I think it was December 22nd. I listened to a podcast where, uh, somebody by name, uh, Neil Parekh was on a podcast and he was explaining how you can disrupt businesses through technology, specifically local traditional industries that have kind of been in place for a long time and not really changed their way of doing things. Uh, I cold emailed him. He was nice enough to get on the phone with me and talk for about an hour and said, here's, here's what you got to do if you want to build this thing that you're dreaming of. Um, and he's been a mentor of mine ever since, but I built the original website, I think December 26th and started hiring cleaners. I think our original name was bluebird maids, um, okay. which means absolutely nothing. I just, I was about to say, <laughs> I was, I was just desperate to get a website name so I could just start toying around with it. And, um, you know, for better or for worse, that was what we originally formed our company under, <laughs> um, okay. So I, I don't really have a good story as to why it was called Bluebird Maids. I was like, ah, oh, there's bluebirds in North Carolina, right? So <laughs> let's name it Bluebird Maids. Um, yeah. So subsequently ended up calling it Whistle and renaming. Um, but built the website, got it operational, gave in my really four weeks at Deloitte and talked to everyone and made sure it was a kind of mutual and okay that I was leaving. I was leaving kind of at the end of a project right as soon as we were wrapping up. So the timing was good. Uh, and then March 8th, I quit Deloitte officially and started on Whistle full-time. So is that, was, March, is that March 8th, 2019? Uh, yes, March 8th, 2019. Okay. Um, so a year and seven days later, mm. um, the um, essentially the shutdown, the voluntary shut down the voluntary quarantine, whatever you want to call it. I think it was March 15th kind of starts. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you, did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I saw it, felt it, uh, saw it coming. Um, you know, we did whatever we could to try to prepare and communicate with our clients and, uh, you know, it, it was tough, right? Because originally we were on this beautiful trajectory and had kind of just gotten over that hump. It was our first year. We were, you know, becoming nicely cash flow positive and really getting into the full on sprint mode where we felt like we truly had a control of everything. And then here comes wafting in COVID-19, which everyone felt right globally. Yeah. Um, so hold on, let's, let's pause real quick, just for a quick second. Yeah. Um, so 2019, good first year? Yeah, yeah, good first year. Lots of, lots of, lots of ups and downs. Um, and who did you find of, your target okay. market, not target market, but um, who were coming to you as your primary clients at that point in time? Um, as we wrapped up 2019, you were growing kind of uptown, south end condos. Um, who were gravitating towards Whistle? Yeah, it was a lot of people who lived in either condos or apartment complexes in South End, Uptown, Plaza Midwood, Noda, um, even some further out clients. Uh, So we had found that we were at least preliminarily correct in our assumption that this would be a service that, you know, people would quote unquote Uber for, right? 
they've got two laundry for their laundry needs. They've got whistle for their in-home cleaning needs. Um, and we had kind of hit the nail on the head. At least we believed and the numbers were showing that we had with the people who live in these apartment complex communities. Um, our methodology of reaching them instead of going directly B to B, B to C was to build relationships with property managers and, um, to be honest, lucked out because there are just so many great people in that industry uh, who were willing to talk to us and work with us and um, let us hold free events at their apartment complex to raise awareness. So we would bring, you know, food or drinks to an apartment complex. We'd try to get a couple of other people, a couple of other businesses involved in these events and um, spread the word that way. And then work through the apartment complexes with the property managers to spread the word on a monthly bi-monthly basis uh, promotions that we were running so that we could reach out to the property manager. They could send out an email or message to the 200 to 600 people in the complex as opposed for, as opposed to us trying to hit each one of those individually. So that was kind of our distribution method and the channel that we went after and um, had some good success with. Okay, so um, you're having success with that coming out of 2019, your business, your new business. What was the plan for 2020? Yeah, the plan for 2020 was to, number one, take a step back and look at all the lessons learned. Um, we learned quite a few lessons on quality control, on ease of use from a customer perspective, but also from a cleaning team member perspective. Um and really formalize our foundation, uh, really, really, really build out all of our documentation and make sure that everything was kind of not, not operated as a franchise, but, you know, systematized in such a way that it was franchisable, not with the intent to franchise, but when everything has an answer and everything has a place, then it is quite a bit easier to expand and grow to other markets, even if you're doing it internally. Mm -hmm. um, so our goal was to formalize all of that and then continue our expansion within Charlotte with a potential of expanding into other cities at later part of this year or potentially next year. Um, we had built out all the plans and how we were going to do that and how we were going to accomplish it, what it was going to take, if we were going to need funding, the whole nine yards. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, fate happened and the world changed. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Um, <laughs> So I would imagine as one of your ways of keeping cost at a minimum, um, not knowing workflow and everything else and just the process of it in general, you made the business decision to have your the cleaners be 1099 folks. Is that correct? That's correct. And okay. kind of look at it for them as a platform where they can grow, pick up work, but also to be able to use us and the quote unquote leadership team as a resource, because my goal is that they learn from us and with us while they're working with us and mm -hmm. that they get to choose their own schedule. They get to create additional income on their own terms. They set their own schedule. They pick up the jobs they want to pick up. They get a text and an email similar to if you were using Uber and driving for Uber saying that there's a job at this location on this date. Do you want it? They say yes or no. Um, but also to kind of help them grow as individuals and to be honest, not be cleaners forever if that's not what they wanted for their lives. Um, yeah. You know, we've We've worked on different training courses for financial literacy and, and other 
ways to empower people to do other things and, and continue to grow because that's our main goal. I mean, we've helped a couple of our, this is going to sound counterintuitive. We helped a couple of our cleaners start their own cleaning companies. Okay. Um, I was about to say, is that a concern of yours? Is that, you know, it's the concern of every business that sets itself up this way is, um, oh gosh, they're going to walk in the door. They're going to be the connection with the, um, the homeowner or the apartment owner or whatever. And then we'll lose that business and the cleaner at the same time. Never really a concern of yours. No, to be honest, um, we we hire based on core values and a fit as a human being, not based on cleaning ability. Um, we can teach anyone how to clean. We can't teach anyone how to have the, you know, core values and internal compass that that we try to have here at Whistle. Um, so I, I really don't have concerns about that. In addition to that, the clients that they might have are not necessarily the same clients that we might have, right? Even mm -hmm. if it, even if that client found this cleaner through <clears throat> Whistle, uh, the reason or the you know value prop for people to use Whistle is the flexibility, right? You can book your cleaning within 48 hours in advance. If your cleaner happens to call out, it doesn't mean your cleaning's not happening that day. It means that somebody else will backfill them and you will still get your cleaning on your terms, not on the cleaning, cleaning team's terms, right? Yep. So we're putting the power in the hands of the customer. And if they want a consistent, same exact cleaner every single time, uh, they can certainly request that through us and we can make it happen. But they recognize that they're giving up the flexibility on, based on their schedule as opposed to our schedule. So mm -hmm. that might not be the same client as the person who wants that same cleaner to come each and every time, even though well knowing they might have to move around based on the cleaner schedule. That is likely not our ideal customer, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so here we are, we're moving into 2020, it's pause, it's to get the processes right, potentially expansion on the agenda. Um, and then, you know, mid-March happens and, um, you know, we've been at it now for almost three months. What, um, how fast did it hit the business? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty insane, honestly. Uh, we saw probably probably seventy five percent of our overall business either disappear or at least pause temporarily. Um, and when I say immediately, I mean within three or four days. Um, so I mean by by the end of March, I mean you were you, you'd seen it. Yeah, we yeah we had most certainly seen it, and usually by the end of a month, the last two weeks or so, we have a very strong idea of how the next month is going to be um, based on recurring bookings and everything else and how our growth has been that month and how we're going to grow and what our projected growth is for the next month. Um, we knew by third week of March that April was going to be a very tough month. Um, there was no doubting that the number of emails that we had gotten from clients saying that they need to pause. Um, the short-term rental companies that we work with, the short-term rental co management companies who, you know, manage rentals on Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, et cetera, uh, they needed to pause services because they were not seeing bookings, right? We, we only clean for them whenever somebody leaves. And if nobody's staying, then yeah. it's, it's, it's a bit of a harder sell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fairly immediate. Um, and it was a tough pill to swallow. So on the uh, on the residential or condo apartment thing, was it more that people 
did you get a sense of why was it because people didn't want strangers coming into their house for people being laid off or was it a combination of both or were you never really able to determine what the reasons were so thankfully within our kind of technology there is a whenever anyone cancels they have to provide some kind of reason for canceling now mm-hmm. some people just wrote covid-19 right so yep. not not everyone gave a detailed explanation but many people were purely just pausing the services until either the stay-at-home order was lifted uh, or they felt comfortable again. You know, some people had paused services because now that they're going to be in their homes a lot more often, number one, they theoretically could do the cleaning themselves. No idea if that's actually happening, but that was the thought process. Uh, yeah. Number number two, uh, they didn't necessarily, and rightfully so, want to introduce an unknown variable into the home, right? They, yeah. don't, they don't necessarily know where our team has been and um, who they've come in contact with. And it was just a risk that a lot of people didn't want to take, which I, I blame nobody for. I think that's the smart thing to do and the pragmatic thing to do actually. So, um, and then, so soon after, right around that same time period, there was the concept of the PPP that was being introduced, but you'd hired all of your people as 1099s, which, was it going to help you access through the PPP, right? Yeah. So the the challenging thing with that is the, and I I won't say the name of the institution. They've helped me quite a bit because I I did get approved for PPP. But uh, initially, whenever I submitted all of my application and and paperwork, there was a line for independent contractor expense um, on the application that I filled out. Now it wasn't yeah. the SBA one, it was a form of the SBA one that had been translated by this company. Um, and so I got approved based on that amount. <laughs> uh, now, it turns out that, you know, independent contractors are expected to apply for the PPP themselves. And that loan is not meant for independent contractors. So it, it did leave me in a bit of a strange place, because I was intending to still continue to pay those people. But Mm. We have found many other ways to try to continue to pay our teams. We have also given daily updates pretty much since this entire crisis started. Um, we've given you know free advice on everything that we could possibly find. We've funneled down to our team so that they stay informed and, and we're helping however we can. Um, because unfortunately, it is a, a, a variable labor position, right? They're utilizing a platform and if there's not work coming into the platform, then they are in turn not getting paid. Yeah. Um, but we have, we have done our best to try to find other ways to ensure they get paid and can continue to stay afloat during this time because they were, they were hit so, hard. Yeah, no, I bet. Um, so, um, is business is traditional business starting to bounce back yet? Here we are. So we're just for reference point. We're recording this on May 26. Uh, so we went from third week of March to last week of May. Is the um, is traditional side of the business starting to bounce back? Uh, yeah, it actually is. We've seen a good number of brand new clients on the residential side, including some of our previously existing clients who either paused or canceled services temporarily, start to bounce back, which. Um, is encouraging to see that people are trying to get back to some sense of normalcy. I don't know what normal looks like going forward, but I know that people are hungry for it, right? Yeah. Whatever that looks like. Yeah, whatever normal is, we seek it. Right. <laughs> um, but along the way, you didn't just sit there and 
and um, hope that everything would return to normal. You, um, like any business owner, try to figure out a, a way to navigate whatever that time period was. So what was your pivot? Yeah, so uh, I recognized pretty early on after I had kind of gotten over the the shock and the uh, disarray that I had seen that something I'd worked so hard to build with my team um, pretty much evaporate 75% of it, at least overnight. Um, after I had gotten over that initial shock, uh, I pivoted into, uh, I pivoted into commercial disinfection services because I, I looked at the skills we had, the training, the equipment, the technology, the chemicals, um, and looked at who we could help and serve during this point to help keep them safe and afloat and keep them from furthering the pain that's happening everywhere. Um, and so we started providing services for commercial disinfection, but also another big push for me is, you know, I, I doubled down this last three months, I guess it was three or four months on training and knowledge about pathogens, about, you know, chemical resistance, about everything you could possibly know about, at least without any type of formal degree <laughs> about the chemicals yeah. and about pathogens and how they interact with surfaces and whatnot. Now, I, I do want a disclaimer. Uh, I am not a pathologist, so <laughs> I am not an expert in that sense. But from a cleaning perspective, we have followed everything from CDC guidelines to OSHA guidelines to anything that we can learn from other accredited organizations and gotten the training needed to make sure this happens. But on top of that push, now that I've gained all this knowledge and all this learning on how to combat this thing, I wanted to share this knowledge, not in order to gain clients, right? My goal here with, you know, uh, the landing page we've set up with any of the information that we're providing is not to necessarily have you as a client, right? If you end up wanting to work with us, fantastic. That's great. But that's not my goal. I want everyone to reopen safely and come back to a place where they're not fearful. There's a lot of people out there that I've seen personally, especially within my industry, that are spreading fear and using fear as a tool to get people to buy things. Yeah. Um, and that very, very morally sits wrong with me. Um, I think that in this time of so much confusion and so much fear, I think people should be trying to spread, spread peace of mind and comfort and knowledge that is factual, um, not fear in order to get somebody to buy you know, X widget or your service. If you yeah. never work with me, I, I really will not offend me whatsoever. I, I would rather give as much free advice out as possible so that Charlotte as a whole can come out better on the other side than to slip back into another bad situation like we've been in. That's your Midwestern values, not your, um, not your upstate New York upbringing, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. There's a there is a hustle in me from from that New York time period though I have to I have to give it some credit. I hear enough, but so um so um so you pivot you started to go towards commercial which you know obviously given the situation makes a ton of sense how um how quick did it catch um and how's it going? Uh, it it caught pretty quickly. Um, people were receptive to the fact that we were truly trying to spread peace of mind and knowledge at first there's a little bit of apprehension right because you know i don't know if how your inbox looks but my inbox is full of companies that have got nothing to do with 
cleanliness whatsoever telling me how to stay safe in COVID. So <laughs> there's so much of that that people are kind of desensitized to it a little bit and think that you're just trying to sell them something. Yeah. Um, and so once I was able to overcome that, that hump, at least with some people, uh, it started to snowball. And um, I mean, we've been fortunate enough that in the last you know two to three months, we've been able to not only bring back the business that we had lost, but um, at this point, we're, we're pretty close to double where we were at our height. Um, as far as uh, revenue goes. So we've been fortunate and this allows us to help our cleaners, our team members, everyone that is a part of kind of our quote unquote ecosystem. Um, and that's our goal. And if anybody wants to talk about COVID-19, how to protect your business, anything else, I, I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm here to help. Um, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to hire me for services. You don't even have to get me a cup of coffee. Just, just ask all the questions you have so that I or somebody that I know can help you open safely and keep everyone safe. But I think Charlotte has to come together during this time. Yeah. It seems like it's trying to. Yep. Um, had you considered commercial before? Yeah. So we, we had already cleaned for a, uh, a gym and a dental office, but this is, I mean, the timing is kind of hilarious, but like late January, <laughs> early February, we decided that we were going to pause on all commercial new business because our short-term rental on the Airbnb cleaning side had grown so quickly. Um, <laughs> so in order to focus on that, we paused on all commercial new business. And then, you know, two months later, a month and a half later, we find ourselves, oh, wait, that's actually the community that we can help out the most right now. So yeah. let's put back on our commercial caps and figure out how to help those people. That's um, funny. Yeah. But since then we've partnered with a commercial cleaning company in Huntersville um, it's called Trinity commercial cleaning man by the name of Brian cop runs it. Fantastic gentleman. He's very, very well educated in this. And we've kind of spent the last two or three months brainstorming and taking training, education certifications to better prepare ourselves. And then in order and in turn, be able to prepare others for how to reopen and do it safely. That's cool that you were able to collaborate with somebody here locally too, you know? Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned, um, it's great to hear you say it too. Every time you talk about the company, you say we, mm -hmm. um, and you've got an employee that's been with you, um, for a while. Um, talk a little bit about her. Yeah, so her name is Jessica Harris. She she was our third cleaning team member. Uh, I poached her off of care.com. I was I was perusing care.com trying to poach cleaners because okay. I would basically say, "Hey, I've got a job." As soon as they would call me, I'd say, "I'm actually not interested in having you help me clean my place. I'm actually interested in giving you a job." Uh, she was nice enough to meet me at the Starbucks over on East East Boulevard, um, and talked to me for a while. She came onto the team, I believe it was actually March 21st. So very soon after I had kind of officially started whistle, um, came onto the Blue, team. You mean bluebird? Yes. Bluebird maids. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not soon after I had started bluebird maids, yeah. um, now whistle, uh, she came onto the team. Uh, she was very, very, very attentive, 
very hardworking and always hungry to learn more and always hungry for feedback, which is something that I personally value quite a bit because feedback is a huge part of our job and, and what we do at Whistle from both a customer and internal perspective. And um, we take a uh, very transparent feedback perspective. So we kind of, in, an, in a professional way, share exactly how we're feeling because if we don't know how the other person's feeling, we can't possibly move forward in a, in a way of true honesty. So she came onto the team. She was working very hard. Uh, she started to show interest in other growth opportunities. So I started working with her on some operational uh, tasks, started off at, I think, five hours a week. Eventually, um, I went on my honeymoon and we, she had been doing, I think, 10 to 15 hours a week at most. And I said, hey, I'm going to be gone for, what, two weeks? And I'm not going to look at my phone at all. I will not be accessible. <laughs> I will. You are going to run run the business. Now, of course, I asked her permission. She was totally on board with this. But she knew that I was not going to be accessible. And she was going to have to sink or swim during this time. Um, I don't know how the listeners would feel about this, but I was so nervous about handing over kind of the keys to the castle and something that I had spent the last, you know, eight, nine months building and growing. Um, but fortunately for me, Jessica not only proved herself, she grew the business from a top line revenue perspective and from a team perspective. She brought on, I think four or five new team members while I was gone. Um, and nothing fell through the cracks. Like I didn't have a single complaint from anyone on how she handled it. Um, and to be honest, when we finally brought her on full time, I didn't have the, <laughs> I didn't have the capital internally to be able to do that. I just kind of said, you know what, I'm bringing you on full time. I wasn't even paying myself at the time. Uh, I'm yes. bringing you on full time and we're going to make it work. I decided I basically had two months of runway to figure out a way to build enough capital and build enough top line revenue, uh, in order build enough business in order to be able to afford her and then eventually afford myself. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, she totally has just taken the opportunity, each task we've given her, each, each, uh, each opportunity she's had to kind of shine, she's gone above and beyond. And I mean, she has, I, to my knowledge, doesn't really have any startup experience previously, but she's got the mindset for it. She's hungry. Uh, she's willing to hustle, willing to roll up her sleeves totally comfortable with wearing a bunch of different hats at the same time. Um, and I mean, we're, we're fortunate to have found somebody like Jessica. That's awesome. That's a cool success, success story, especially to have, you know, to bring on board as your first employee too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, which is, it was definitely a shift for me. I had never truly managed people and Deloitte, there were some opportunities to manage teams, but it was not, not somebody that I was managing and paying for their for their salary. Um, so it was, it was an exciting experience and it's, I mean, it's been a fun ride working with her. She's, she definitely has what it takes to make it in this entrepreneurial world. So, um, December, 2019, the concept goal was to re, uh, to reset pause and then grow on the back end of that. Um, the reality is, is you of course hit pause because maybe even hit reverse, um, then pause, then commercial. Um, what's the plan look like for the next 12 months from here? Yeah, it's, uh, 
I've got an answer right, but it's it's still it's very vague at this point. Um, I still don't have a clear picture of what the other side of you know post COVID nineteen world looks like. We're still very much in the heat of it, right? Businesses, yes, are starting to reopen, but there's a lot of uncertainty flowing around. Even for somebody who's who spends as much time thinking about it and learning about it as I do, um, I would like to say that. We are going to continue to help businesses as long as they need the help and continue to help as many businesses as we can during this time and continue to grow that group of people and help impact as many people as possible. Um, that being said, we still intend to grow our residential side of business um, as we have started to acquire new clients and new customers and new customers or customers that we had previously are starting to reuse our services. We continue to serve them just as we have before with just extra level of precaution and care so that they maintain mm. safety throughout all of this. Um, but to be honest, I see kind of in the future here is there's two main arms of the business, at least for the medium term, which is the commercial disinfection and commercial janitorial services side of the business and the residential, you know, original business model, which is on-demand cleaning service um, that you can book through our app. Those are probably yeah. the two main lines of business and the the things that we will spend the most time focusing on, at least over the next four to six months. Now you've got a back to business action plan as well, right? Yeah. So we set up a landing page, um, to one, give businesses as much information as we possibly can. And we do our best to keep it up to date on, the resources from a cleaning perspective, getting back to business, right? CDC has released a lot of guidelines. So has OSHA. So has many other organizations on how to reopen safely. So is the state of North Carolina. I think they've done a fantastic job of giving some guidelines. Um, but our goal with that is to, one, explain kind of from a cleaning perspective what we would recommend. Two, give you free resources such as signage. We've gone and created with our marketing team uh, marketing team being Jessica and I, um, <laughs> create a bunch of, a, a bunch of different signage that anyone can use. And beyond that, we're happy to alter it. However, businesses want now it's signage, like social distancing signage. Do you feel sick signage, uh, stop cleaning in progress signage. There's all kinds of signage that we've created. That's a free resource and we'll actually alter it for your business at no cost. Um, we're also offering, you know, free 15 to 30 to 45 minute consultations where you can just ask us any questions you have. Um, again, our goal is to help you as much as possible as a, as a business owner, or even as a, a business and help you reopen safely. Um, there are a ton of businesses reopening right now, and many of them are following great guidelines, but I just want to make sure that, <laughs> that they continue to follow those guidelines and know what those guidelines are, right? Uh, a lot of businesses, their core competency isn't cleaning. Right. If you're yep. a restaurant, you do clean frequently and you do have to follow certain guidelines to make sure that you maintain a sanitary environment. But it's still not your true core competency. Right. People don't pay because you've got a, a, a great staff of people that clean your facility. They they pay because they love your food and the environment. Right. Um, so we want to be there to help fill that gap, even if it's just purely informational. Um, so that's kind of our goal with that website and landing page. And, and I encourage everyone to check it out. Is, um, so is it on your main website, whistle.co? 
Yeah, so you can find it on the main website. There's a uh, a link up in the header, but there's also a a drop down pop up that'll come up, and then I can also kind of share the link here. I'm it's unfortunately kind of long, but <laughs> it's whistle.co <laughs> slash back dash two dash business dash action dash plan. So there's just dashes between everywhere, but it's whistle.co slash back to business action plan. But the best way to do it is just go to whistle.co website and um, and let it take you there. Yeah, exactly. What's the um? So here, when we're coming up on the end of our time. Um, hard to believe it's already been fifty minutes. Um, yeah. What um? What's the what's the three to five year four whistle? I mean, we've had a, a couple businesses kind of light whistle. I mean, you mentioned to you laundry earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, has certainly expanded in a couple of cities. Um, you know, Take Talent did as well. Um, you know, there's a there's a number of them here in Charlotte. Is the goal to continue to expand um, over the or throughout the southeast? Um, does this cause you to kind of check up and really just focus on Charlotte first, or what's the business mo- model for Whistle as you move forward? Yeah, uh, I think that you hit the nail on the head. We look at Groups such as Two Laundry, such as Skipper, um, you know, such as Rabu, uh, and not to mention all those founders have been extremely influential on me and and my team, and uh, have always been open to help, which is something that I find very endearing and warming about the Charlotte startup ecosystem is that people are actually willing to have a conversation and give you their time, which uh, is something that was refreshing to me, not that I was expecting. But to answer your question, yeah, it. We want to follow in similar footsteps and expand into cities within the Southeast that have a comparable demographic, that have a comparable um, appetite for young professionals or people who live in apartment complexes or even single-family homes who are trying to free up some of that spare time that they work so hard to have. Right? We've we've all mostly got 48 hours on on the weekend, including a couple hours after you end work on Friday, that we can spend time with our friends, family, going out to eat, enjoying the free time of life. Um, and we want to give that to as many people as possible. So I, I would definitely say that three to five years expand within the Southeast and continue to grow whistle and find our way into more people's homes and hearts. Yeah. And no, it makes a ton of, <coughs> it makes a ton of sense. Have you ever, have you been able to pull your parents down South yet? Or are they still stuck in upstate New York? <laughs> they are, they are still in upstate New York. Um, and it's, uh, they they have maintained thankfully my family has maintained safe uh throughout all of this they basically started their quarantine as soon as everything started happening especially in new york and didn't leave for a long time except for to go to the grocery store um and you know as much ppp as they could get their hands on uh, yeah ppp um yeah. but yeah they're 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 still <laughs> yeah not ppp uh they are still <laughs> in upstate new york uh, i have a 14 year old sister um, it's actually just her birthday the other day. Uh, and they, so they are still up there in New York. She's in high school. Um, you know, my heart. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right. My computer went to sleep for a second. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my heart still goes out to them and, uh, you know, I would love to get them down South. Um, I'm assuming that maybe once my sister graduates high school, they might move okay. their way down here. Yeah. Um, we'll see though. Um, what's it like having a, uh, what's it like being able to teach your sister, um, about entrepreneurship 
so early in life? I mean, I, w- I would imagine you at least talk a little bit about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my sister is way smarter than I am. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> I talked to her a lot about this. She was there when I, I was in Indiana visiting family around Christmas when I built the first website. Um, and she was always fascinated by it. And so I, yeah. I try to talk about her as much as I can. And she asks, honestly, some of the best questions that I hear from anyone, you know, she's only 14, but she, her, she's far beyond her years. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoy talking to her about it and she shows a real interest in it. Um, I don't know that I can fully convert her over the dark side before she graduates high school <laughs> and, and nor, nor am I convinced that that's the right thing to do before she, <laughs> before yeah. she exits high school. But I want to expose her to as much as possible on that front. Um, as she has the appetite for, and she seems to really enjoy talking about it. So it's been cool watching her, her wheel spin about this. That's cool. It sounds like it's in your genes, which is a, um, a tribute to your parents. So that's really cool. But, um, it's, it's been, um, I've enjoyed it, Matt. Um, certainly enjoyed learning more about whistle. I, I met you a couple of times before and we talked via email, but to learn more about the business model, um, both pre and post COVID, um, and learn more about you has been a really enjoyable last, last 58 minutes. And I appreciate you taking the time during this, you know, obviously hectic time period to hop on the podcast and, and share your story with our listeners. So thanks so much, Chris. I enjoyed it. Likewise, I enjoyed it a lot as well. This is uh, it's been a great talking to you and getting to kind of spread the word. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, this may sound really dorky, but is it okay to give a quick shout out to a couple of people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> shout away. So, so really quickly, I want to shout out to number one, my parents for supporting me throughout all this, my wife, especially uh, for supporting me throughout all this uh, to my team at whistle to my parents-in-law. Uh, my father-in-law is, serial entrepreneur and has taught me so much about being an entrepreneur and what it's like during this time. Uh, and then also to all the founders that I've connected with here in, in Charlotte, you know, Amir, uh, Maggie from Skipper, Alex and Dan from Two Laundry, you guys have all been influential. So thank you. So, well, that's cool, man. So, um, that's good to see that the communities, you know, supporting each other and, and certainly glad to see it. And I know, and shoot, you've already said you're already doing it yourself too. So, um, thanks for being a good part of the community. Of course, of course. I'm, I'm glad to be here and glad to be welcomed with open arms. So, well, thanks a lot. Continue, um, continue. Good luck, Chris. Thank you so much, Willie. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance. 
including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.